Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tonight's show has been artificially inseminated with extra doses of male bovine defecation. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast dedicated to all you pipe smokers around the world that are over the age of 18, 18 and over only, please, for this uh, fun-filled weekly hour. I am your host, Brian Levine, and it's March 31st. Yeah, hard to believe. March is over. April is, uh, hey, April's tomorrow, April 1st. Um, on tonight's show, going to do things a little differently. And I'll, uh, I'll tell you why, but we're going to have Tad Gage on the phone. Tad and I are going to talk back and forth on some stuff. Uh, music, mailbag. We are going to uh, kick off kick off the JDRF auction. So stay tuned all the way to the end of the show for details on some absolutely wonderful products that have been uh, donated. All to raise money for uh, juvenile diabetes research and uh, finding a cure for type 1 diabetes. I do want to take this time just to update you a little bit on uh, the what's going to be an extremely busy April for me. And before I know it, hey, uh, you know, Disney, uh, uh, before I know it, the Chicago Pipe Show will be here. Uh, this month includes a, a quick trip up to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and then uh, down to my friends at uh, Little River, South Carolina at SmokingPipes.com. And then followed by, I know this is going to sound tough to you, but yeah, I'm going to have to pre-record one show because I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to the Dominican Republic for uh, four days for a uh, trade association meeting. And uh, yeah, I'll have to tell you how tough it was when I get back from that. But that's uh, the middle of the month. And then right after I come back from that, then we're off with the marching band off to uh, Walt Disney World for five days and four nights, three days in the parks and a couple of performances in there. So it'll be uh, me, my daughter, and about a hundred of her closest friends and oh, about uh, five or six other adults. So we'll fill you in on that. And then uh, literally like three days after I get back from that, two days after, it is off to Chicago for the uh, Chicagoland Pipe Show. So that is April and uh, I'm going to be tired, but looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll keep the shows coming for you, I promise. But in just a minute, instead of pipe parts, I'm going to get Tad Gage on the phone with me and we'll uh, start the discussion. You'll just have to follow along. So everybody, grab your pipe. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. 
Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. Cupofjoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. Cupofjoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly pipes. Check out their remodeled website at cupofjoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, cupofjoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And as I said before, this is a uh, this is an anomaly of an episode. And the reason for this being a, a, a completely different format is because Tad Gage has just moved to the greater Charlotte area. And over the past weekend, Tad and I got together. We met at, uh, at McCraney's, sat and smoked, and started talking about stuff and started realizing that we are... Um, I don't know, Ted. Is it is it good? Is it is it right to say that we are the uh, we're the younger people of the older generation of pipe club members, pipe show goers, pipe collectors? Yeah, I would say it's fair to say we're closing in on that elder statesman status. Yeah. So one of the, I mean, one of the, the discussions that. One of the discussions that we had sitting there smoking and uh, and uh, telling stories and uh, I mean there was all kinds of conversations going on but uh, one of the things that got me started thinking about this was that you have been in on the uh, you've been on the hobby side of the business starting out as a as a or a hobby side of the hobby starting out as a pipe collector and then you got into the business as a writer and a and a reviewer and a writer and uh, been to many pipe shows. Uh, I started out on the business side of it, really, but then developed a hobby side of it. So we we the two of us kind of bridge both sides of the gap. I mean, you you know, we were talking about your hundred and forty plus pipe display of barling pre transition pipes that you did at the Chicago Pipe Show, uh, and that was you know it. it Tell the story about whether or not it could be voted for uh, best briar and best display at the same time, because that was funny. But go ahead and tell it. Uh, oh, okay. Well, uh, this was back in the days when there were a lot of collectors displaying pipes on tables and so forth, and uh, the show still gives recognition for displays and, you know, has glass cabinets, which, Brian, you had a fantastic collection of uh, Disney pipes and memorabilia one year as well, but uh, this was back when they were giving awards at the show for uh, uh, for Briar display and antique pipe display and Briar collections and so forth, and uh, uh, it, it, you know, long story short, I, I think I had a pretty incredible collection. I took up uh, 24 feet of table with uh, pipes and photographs of the old Barling factory and so forth, and uh, so I, from what I understand, among the judges, there was some discussion as to uh, whether I should get both awards or whether that was really wrong. And uh, as it turned out, I did actually get both. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to have uh, gotten both the best Briar display and 
and the best uh, uh, Briar collection as well. And uh, heard, heard in the aftermath that uh, uh, one of the revered people in the hobbyists actually told, told everybody else that uh, if, if they didn't give me both awards, they were crazy. <laughs> and, and he shall go unnamed. So this is this is the same argument that's gone on in in baseball for a hundred for a hundred years, where the Cy Young Award winner is a pitcher. Can the Cy Young Award winner also be the most valuable player for that year? And it's happened once before, and apparently uh, it can happen at pipe shows too. Uh, but let I mean let's you and I, I I thought what was interesting was just the the idea of where we where was the pipe collecting pipe smoking hobby when we got into it what has changed in it now and where do we think it's going to be i mean when you first got involved that was in the uh, early days of the chicago pipe show yeah it was uh, mid 80s is when i kind of got into the quote unquote hobby I, I jumped right into it after I started smoking a pipe. Uh, I just got I, lucky. I fell into it. I got fascinated, and um, I was hooked. Yeah, and one of the, and what got me thinking, and as I was uh, drawing up some notes for this, uh, the as I've traveled around the country, in particular, you find strongholds of influence from one particular from one particular retailer. Uh, the perfect example is Smoker's Haven in Columbus, Ohio, being the uh, distributor of GBD pipes for years. There's more GBDs in Ohio than there probably ever was in England. No kidding. <laughs> uh, and the the Irish uh, the Irish contingency in Boston followed with the Irish pipe smoking styles. So Peterson pipes are a mainstay of of Boston, but now a lot of that has kind of broken down because of the internet and because of mail order and because of groups. And I didn't get involved in it, but uh, the IRC chat room was one of the first online places to go and ask about pipes, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, as far as I know, absolutely. Yeah, that was. Those were kind of like the first uh, internet chat rooms where, you know, it, it started to broaden the audience and, and um, kind of create a national and even an inter well, definitely an international flavor to the whole collecting thing. So, uh, you know, the internet was revolutionary, I think, for pipe collectors in some ways, uh, and you know, it, it made it a, a lot easier to. To some degree, I guess, replicate that in-person experience of being at a pipe club and sitting around with a bunch of folks and talking about all sorts of different topics, or or being at a pipe show and just getting together with uh, three or four or five guys sitting around a table smoking a pipe and talking ad nauseum. So um, yeah, it, it definitely created quite the revolution, and now. You know those are still there, but I think we've we've kind of evolved into some of the other some of the other electronic um, methods or media. You know, Instagram, Facebook is huge for that. But uh, might be jumping the gun a little bit there. But uh, you know we're we're 
What's interesting, I, th- I think, Brian, and I was thinking about this a little bit, too, it might be interesting for our listeners to think about. You know, I've studied a lot of history of pipe smoking and, and tobacco growing and culture and so forth. And, you know, without rehashing the whole history of it, because there are plenty of good books and information on that. But, you know, when you think about it, the desire to sort of sit around with a pipe and commune, I mean, that is... That's primeval. I mean, that go, that's primitive. It goes back tens of thousands of years, uh, ever since people sort of found weed that they could put in some kind of a container and puff on it. And, you know, moving through the centuries, moving through the years, you had things, you know, you had things like uh, 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 pubs that had, uh, you know, you put a coin in and you could get tobacco and take a clay pipe and smoke it. Uh, you had Victorian smoking lounges. So... You know, I, I, I sort of see the whole, even the, the pipe show going all the way up to where we are today as kind of an outgrowth of uh, that desire for guys smoking pipes to get together and, and uh, enjoy each other's company and, and, and share common or different interests. You know, now that you say that, and, and I'm going to apologize right now to the listeners because there is no format to this discussion. This is This is how Tad and I sit around and talk, so... You're gonna to get to listen to it. Uh, in the in the old days, when you know when the guy went when the guy went into the into the pub and bought a and bought a plug of tobacco and pulled a pipe off the wall, uh, that might have been his only smoke of the day. And now we're transitioning back to that to where, uh, as I describe it, we're we're in a world right now that is going from. One pipe smoker smoking one pound a week of one blend, like my great grandfather did, to uh, to now we've got about five pipe smokers that have replaced him, and they're smoking maybe uh, maybe three or four bowls a week, and they're smoking multiple blends, you know, different days. Uh, they might have twelve, fifteen different blends open. At, at any given time and it's kind of it's kind of turning around to that where you know uh 400 years ago you'd go into the pub in uh in uh williamsburg and grab whatever tobacco the guy had and have your bowl uh and and that that's kind of that communal thing that you were talking about and it's also kind of turning full circle yeah absolutely and i i you know, when you talked about uh, the shows, I, I think what's what's one of the things that's that's really interesting. You know, the pipe shows themselves really, I think, were a phenomenon that that got cranked up in the mid '80s. I, I think in the '50s and '60s and '70s, I, I think your pipe shop tended to be more the focal point of, you know, people gathering, getting together, hanging out, um, sort of. And, and I guess you would say your your pipe retail or whatever might have been sort of the hub of the uh, hub the hub of the wheel there, you know. And and there just weren't you know shows, there weren't national get-togethers or anything. There were pipe clubs. I mean, I've I've you know, read things like Pipe Lovers Magazine from the late 40s. And uh, there were definitely pipe clubs back then. You know, they were local. I mean, people didn't travel across country or whatever to go to a pipe show. But, uh, you know, there were get-togethers. There were, you know, magazines and, and occasional discussions of, you know, how to make pipes, uh, how to make your own pipe, how to blend tobacco. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think that the pipe show phenomenon of the, of the 80s kind of came about in part because there were a, 
a relatively small small number of collectors and people who had sort of been almost the keepers of the flame. They'd been buying a lot of high grade pipes in the in the fifties, sixties, seventies, amassed huge collections, and then quite a few of them also went out and, and just bought, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of you know, estate pipes, used pipes, if you will, Dunhill Sheridan's, uh, you know, Wally Frank pipes. I mean, the whole, you know, gamut. So, you, you know, the pipe show sort of in those days was almost like an outlet for these folks to get together, buy, sell, swap pipes. Uh, it, it was really crazy. The one thing that isn't going to change from a normal show is we've got to take a break. So we're going to take a break right here. And uh, Ted and I will be back in just a minute. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliftTobacco.com. Go to SutliftTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, Tad's still on the phone. Uh, Tad, I wish I could have had you over here, but, you know, the two of us in a small room like this together, it would have been trouble, and, you know, we couldn't have done that. We would have never been able to get through this, so. Uh, I want to go no, back. It would have been like <laughs> two bad Yorkshire Terriers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no fire hydrants, though. Um I, I want to go back to what you said about the, the beginning of the estate pipe market. And really, I mean, the first person that I know of that brought the that brought estate pipes out into the forefront was Barry Levin and his, uh, and his mailer. Um, I never met Barry. I wasn't around when before Barry passed away. But I know he you know, kind of revolutionized that market and had mailings going out of like six, 7,000 mailings every every couple of months of pictures of pipes and didn't he also kind of organize some of the first pipe shows that started around the country he uh, actually he well he was kind of a major force in those um actually a guy named bruce spencer who's kind of long forgotten but you know he he looked to replicate the um the 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 um, the model of like the knife show, the gun show, the um, the antique auto show, pen shows, and watch shows, and he looked to apply that to uh, to to pipes. And um, he, you know, he 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 deserves a lot of credit for that. Like I say, he's kind of forgotten in a lot of people's memory. But uh, and and then guys like Barry Levin, they they sort of made things happen. They came to the shows. They bought, you know, Barry bought and sold pipes. He'd go around, and again, these guys that had amassed 
these unbelievable collections of, of stuff. You know, Barry would go, he'd buy, he'd buy pipes from them, and then he'd put it on his mailer. And, and you know, it's, it's very parallel in some ways to um, what we have on eBay today with eBay sellers and so forth because, you know, Barry was a pioneer in that. But then there were quite a few others who came on, had their own businesses. And back, back then in the, in the age of dinosaurs, it was all direct mail with photographs. <laughs> there, there was no Internet. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I guess it was dinosaurs selling to dinosaurs using uh, snail mail. But, uh, you know, it, it, again, it was just kind of like a very revolutionary thing, and, and it, it certainly was. I think the first time that, uh, you know, the, the pipes became, well, first of all, the pipes became available sort of outside of the pipe shop and, and also uh, really the, created the birth of, uh, you know, of estate pipes. And, and i got to say one thing, Brian, too. Uh, i, I got to give a lot of credit to, uh, to Rick Hacker or Richard Carlton Hacker, who wrote, uh, you know, Pipe Book and, uh, and a Scar Book. Uh, you know, I think he did a lot for elevating the, the interest in and knowledge of some of these great, uh, you know, English brands and so forth. And he certainly talked about, you know, estate pipes. I mean, even today there are a lot of people that just have a hard time dealing with the concept of a pipe somebody else's smoke. But um, but he, he did a he did quite a service there too. I mean, he wrote articles in Playboy. He uh, you know, as I say, he wrote these books. He went to shows, uh, did a lot of promoting. So it, it was an interesting time. I mean, we're really in the I would say in the eighties. I mean, there was not only really this not a shift, but but a, a, the addition of something beyond besides the pipe shop for buying a pipe and the concept of the uh, used pipe. And, you know, they have pipes that people have been keeping in drawers or whatever, or maybe that a few connoisseurs or pipe guys understood that it was okay to clean up a pipe and, you know, smoke somebody else's pipe. Uh, but on a broad scale, that, that, was, that was an incredibly revolutionary um, time. My favorite comment about people that are afraid to... Uh that are afraid to smoke an estate pipe because the, the thought of it being used by somebody else. And I can't remember who said this to me, so I, I'm not going to take credit for it. I'm just going to repeat it. But he said, when you go into a restaurant, all those utensils were used before. So you're putting something, exactly. you're putting a fork in your mouth that somebody else had in there probably an hour ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing that we uh, that, that we got started talking about that I think is, is really interesting in this, yeah, you got into the hobby in the in the late eighties and at that point it was the big English companies it was the big English brands that, that we all know about. Uh and it was the Italian brands. And those were really what people were collecting. Yeah, there was a yeah, there was a rush of uh of Danish freehands, but we're talking about like the the Preben home and the you know the big artistic free hands, not just free formed. Um, but right. by the by the time I started going to pipe shows in two thousand two thousand one, it was really the uh, it was really almost at the peak of the Danish invasion and the beginning of the artisan pipe maker or the individual pipe maker. Uh, you know, it, but really when you when you got started, it was. People were looking for Barlings, Sheratons, Kamoys to some extent. Dunhill was still the uh, was still the big collectible, and then on the Italian side, you had Costello, Savinelli, and uh, 
I guess uh, Radice was there and a couple others. But then in the you know in the late nineties, you see. I mean, prior to that, prior to the nineties, really, it was the Ewan Reese catalog was the only place you saw some of those Danish high grades, and they were priced. I mean, shockingly high. Yeah. Yeah, they were. I mean, uh, and, uh, and a lot of those, you know, great covers worked for Pipe Dan. But you're right, it it, uh, it evolved very quickly. And, I'm, I mean, Sixton Everson was making pipes from, I think, the late 50s. Uh, I know at one time I owned, you know, a 1964 Everson that was, it was a horn. And interestingly, that was kind of like probably the first freehand shape ever, ever done. And it's considered so because... You couldn't put it on a lathe. A horn, you just you can't drill an air hole with a lathe, so you had to do a lot of handwork on it. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, when 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 you started coming in through the '90s, there just was an increasing number of these pipe makers out there doing incredible stuff. Um, maybe breaking breaking out from the pipe dan factory and and going on their own and and creating a very sort of a, a different style of freehand too. I, I think again the eighties, the seventies, the seventies and early eighties were kind of that really big chunky Danish freehand and you know beautiful wood and everything else, but just really beefy you know tree root kind of stuff. And then um, you know it kind of went back with the Danes to uh, more of the art, you know the artistic things of the of, of the I guess I'd say the forties and fifties and 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 early sixties. And I and you and I were both talking about at the same time. We were talking about how in the past, you know, five to ten years, there's really no more. Uh, there, there's no up and coming collectors that are doing great collections of a single company or a single shape or a single manufacturer. Uh, it all seems to be where they're getting into, uh, you know, maybe one one individual maker, and they might have multiples from that or. Uh, or one style of pipe, but from multiple makers versus you with your barlings, where you didn't care what it was, you wanted one of each barling, and me with the Disney pipes, where I don't care what it is as long as it's stamped Disney on it. You know, I was thrilled with it. So, uh, I does that bother you? I mean, it kind of bothers me that maybe some of these, maybe some of these newer collectors aren't getting as interested in collecting the history. Uh, they're getting into collecting what's current and hot. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm I'm shocked at the number of of people making pipes. It seems every time I turn around, um, like particularly on Facebook, somebody decided they're going to be a pipe carver. And and you know, um, <laughs> I, I haven't smoked a lot of those, so I don't know what kind of briar they're getting or how good the engineering is. I know I've judged. Pipe contest, pipe making contest at, at, at numerous shows, and you know you can have a beautiful looking pipe, and uh, boy, you can just tell the engineering and, and stuff isn't there. But you know, be that as it may, uh, you know I, I think the keepers of pipe history and lore have always been kind of a small number anyway. But um, I don't I don't know, and I don't know whether I I, I don't know what you think, Brian, but. You know, it seems like maybe just the whole concept of collecting is a little less popular in the last decade or 12, 15 years than it used to be. I mean, I've got magazines from the 40s where people had these massive collections of tobacco jars and humidors. And, you know, uh, 
you just don't see that as much anymore. You know, people have collections of this and that. I, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, uh, you know, is kind of from what you've seen at the pipe shows and so forth? Because it really has changed from, you know, they're really not so much collector shows anymore. People are not out displaying their collections, as you say, like a theme or a particular, uh, you know, style of pipe or a particular brand. But, you know, it's, it's really become more the shows are a little bit more. The people who have the tables are people trying to sell stuff. But, you know, what, what do you think uh, on that collecting trend has sort of, I don't cause, I wouldn't say the demise of collecting, but definitely a real change in how people approach that. Uh, there's a couple of serious things, but the the first thing is that I've always joked okay. around that I want to get, uh, you know, you go to the Chicago Pipe Show and everybody, you know, every third person is a pipe maker. I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting two pipe makers and I want to get <laughs> I want to get a t-shirt made that says I'm not a pipe collector nor do or I'm not a pipe maker nor do I ever want to make one. Uh, because it does seem like, you know, you get somebody in the you get somebody into the hobby and then 3 years later they're making pipes and they're trying to turn around and sell them and uh yeah, I I know my talent skills and my talents with my mouth and if I could make a pipe with my mouth I would but <laughs> nobody would want it. Um, Man's got to know his limitations. Yeah, yeah. Or actually, I don't know my limitations. I know what I'm an expert at, and everything else is a limitation. So therefore, I've, I'll stick to that. Um, there you go. I think it. Well, I mean, let me tell you a couple a couple of things. When I uh, when the last time I took the Disney collection out to a pipe show, it cost me about four hundred and fifty dollars to ship it back and forth, plus pay for the tables. Now, honestly, that's four hundred and fifty dollars that I could spend on pipes and pipe tobacco. And are the people that are coming to pipe shows are they that interested in seeing a collection that it might cost a couple hundred dollars to ship out, spend ten fifteen hours figuring out how to display it, setting it up in the display, and then going back and having to pack it up and tear it down and go through all that? I mean. Uh, I remember talking to uh, uh, to uh, uh, Doc Amron, who had his uh, bamboo pipes on display at Chicago, and he said that yeah, he you know he packed them all and carried them all on the plane and was worried about them all the whole entire time and how to lay them out. And it, it's a lot. It's a lot of damn work to tote your collection around. Plus, it's kind of expensive. Um, yeah, that's true. And it takes away. I mean, look. The last time you displayed your Barling collection, you were you were anchored to that table, and you, I was. You weren't free to roam around and do what you want to do. So, it's a double. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I created the Facebook page for my collection so that people can see it in the parks there. Um, I would. I mean, I would wish that. You know, I've told the told the Chicago Pipe Show guys a couple of times that I'd like for them to take the Friday pre-show and make that a chance for, you know, you, Tad Gage, to bring your favorite 24 barlings and set them out and show them. Uh, me to bring, you know, maybe just a small box of my favorite part of my collection, put it out and show it, and it becomes more of an educational show and uh, show and tell thing instead of a another chance to do commerce. Um, 
I will say though that I that I saw some pipes being traded in uh, in New York a couple you know last month at their pipe show, and that kind of gave me hope that you know there's there's still the wheeling and dealing. Uh, a friend of mine said he didn't buy any pipes; he traded four away and got five in return, and you know was wheeling and dealing like the old days at at the old pipe shows where it was very rare to sell one. Yeah, and that that was that was a lot of fun, but uh, you know that kind of went away. And I think you may be right; that's coming back. And you, you know, I'll say too, Brian. You you mentioned you know the shows, and and I in you know being a, a part of I wouldn't say a member, but whatever participating or or at least watching a whole bunch of uh, you know pipe sites on Facebook. But I mean, a lot of people love to take pictures of their pipes. They're, they actually do some really aesthetic. Uh, artistic photos of their pipes with the tobacco they're smoking today, and there are a lot of a lot of folks out there with collections. So you know, and I, I mean the old saying, "What if you have one pipe, you're a pipe smoker. If you have two pipes, you're a, you're a pipe collector." <laughs> uh, I there there's there's certainly still some truth in that. Um, but I think what's interesting is you know you do see people who build beautiful cabinets or or just have a have them displayed and so forth. I think I think maybe a big difference is that back in the day when I was doing the shows, and I'm not saying that every pipe smoker in 1987 or whatever had a theme to the collection, but I think there were you know there were a lot of themed collections. I don't see as much of that anymore. Again, the shapes or a brand or something like that. It may be a good thing, it may be a bad thing. I don't know, but it's it's changed. But I, I do think I think the one the the thing that makes me the saddest is and and really I guess it's a function of just how the world works today. But I think what's really unfortunate is that people don't get a chance to see all these pipes in person. Uh, you know, I mean I I've been lucky enough to be able to see literally tens if not hundreds of thousands of pipes of all makes and all brands and all types in person have been able to touch them, pick them up, look at the grain. And I can tell you that, you know, whether it's a picture on Facebook uh, or an ad on eBay or whatever, uh, you know, I mean, you can pick a pipe on eBay, you can get it, then you have it in person. But, boy, looking at the pictures just just ain't at all like the, the the visceral experience of actually, you know, picking up a pipe, holding it, looking at the grain, whatever, you know, not necessarily have to smoke them all, but just that, that physical contact, it's, it's a huge difference. So I told my, uh, yeah, this is spring break for us here, so my, my daughter's off school for her last spring break ever, which I don't like because she should still be in elementary school, but she's graduating from high school, huh. and I don't believe it, uh, but... Anyway, some, somehow I wanted to show I wanted to show them something, and and they said, well, you know, I don't want to come out there and look at it. Just you know, take a picture of it and send it to me, and and I'll look at the picture. And then they said, like a half hour later, that they were thinking about taking uh, taking a day during the week and going to one of the zoos around here to look at some of the animals. And I said, well, don't you don't have to worry about that. Just go on the internet and look at the picture of the animals, and then you did it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, hey, I don't need to go to Italy. I can watch a travel show. <laughs> oh, you just saved me a bunch of money now, too. There you go. Yeah, we can we so, can uh, we could do Google Maps on uh, down Venice and just be act like we're walking down the street, and it'd be exactly the same as going to Venice, right? That's 
actually, a- absolutely, the virtual Italian experience. Uh, speaking uh, of Italian, I think that's one. <laughs> uh, speaking of Italian experiences, we're going to take another break here, and uh, we'll come back. We'll chat some more. So stay with us. You're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show with host Brian Levine. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com The Chicagoland International Pipe and Tobacco Show will be held this year on Saturday and Sunday, May 2nd and 3rd. This year will be a special year celebrating the 20th annual Chicago Pipe Show. The Chicago Show, with over 300 tables of pipes, tobacco, and tobacco is the world's largest pipe show open to the public. On Friday, May 1st, the show has a full day of activities, including seminars on pipes and pipe smoking. This year's speakers include Kevin Godby of PipesMagazine.com, Ben Rappaport, speaking on and displaying pipes made during the Civil War. Rob Cooper, better known as Cooper Sark, will make a presentation for young pipe smokers. And Cornelius Kranz will speak on Dutch clay pipes. The show has its own 6,000-square-foot smoking tent. And on Sunday at the show, the National Slow Smoking Contest will be held in the tent. Make your reservations for the show at Pheasant Run Resort in St. Charles, Illinois. Call 800-999-3319 for reservations. More information about the many activities at the show at chicagopipeshow.com. Come to the show and meet pipe smokers and pipe makers from all over the world. Welcome back to the Anomaly episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, Tad's still hanging out with me here. Um, Tad, I think one of the things that I wanted to, that we were that you started to get into before I cut you off there was uh, that you know, with all the with all the different outlets of ways for pipe makers to be known or ways for pipe smokers to gather. I mean, you've got. Besides the PipesMagazine.com forum, I understand there's some others out there. I wouldn't know anything about them because I don't look at them occasionally. Uh, there's there's other forums. There's other there's Instagram. There's YouTube. There's Facebook. Um, there's even a there's even a couple other pipe related podcasts. And what I think what what caught my interest about it is that. You have some people that are exceedingly popular in, or exceedingly reputable in their one channel that they that they're used to communicating through, but yet outside that channel, nobody knows about them. 
and the, and the same thing happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if is that a new phenomenon? Is that something that you saw before with you know in the in in your early days of pipe collecting? I mean, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is I know from the earlier from the earlier pipe shows that I went to some people were very popular at certain pipe shows and then at other pipe shows they didn't have any idea who that person was because he didn't go to that pipe show. Uh, so, so I guess we're kind of seeing the same thing all over again except now it's you, know, you can have 17 browser windows open on all these different groups and get a whole bunch of good information and find out somebody's really popular somewhere and you would have never known who they were. Amazing to me, but you know, I'm, I, I maybe I'm an old fart, and you know, I I kind of stay up with technology, but I, I don't think there are enough hours in the day to sort of keep up with with everybody doing doing their own thing. It's it's almost like there's I won't say there's too much communication, but you know, yeah, there there's a million different channels, and a lot of people have sort of carved out so to carved out their their niche in you know instructional videos or you know whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I think one of the interesting things that I'm seeing with, you know, Facebook particularly, but, you know, I think Instagram, at least as far as it goes with, uh, you know, sharing photos and stuff, you really can't share a lot of info. And the same with Twitter. It's just, it's kind of too brief. But I see people on, on Facebook, and I think what they're trying to do in a lot of these cases is is kind of replicate that experience of, Again, being in a being in a room with a bunch of folks, smoking your pipe, hanging out, talking, and then you know a lot of it's focused on tobacco and and pipes, which is appropriate because you know the the, the site sort of and and most of the administrators they know that it kind of needs to stay on topic. But what's interesting is then it it spins off from that, and people <laughs> meet people who they find interesting whether they're, they may be completely different in different parts of the country and they have different philosophies, different political beliefs, but just like the same dynamics, and I know you've seen them too at shows that, and, and just get-togethers at pipe shops or wherever, those same dynamics apply. You can meet somebody who you have almost kind of nothing in common with as far as your work or, or your lifestyle or anything like that, but you've got the commonality of the pipe, and then somehow you connect and find it interesting. And then what happens, like on Facebook, is people will friend each other, and then you start getting these interesting posts from them, you know, on this topic or that topic, and, and you share things. And so it kind of migrates to that situation that happens a lot of times at pipe club get-togethers or at a pipe shop or at a pipe show. So you I'll I'll, I'll, intro, I'll, I'll interject a, I'll interject a perfect example. Uh, you and I have a, a mutual friend by the name of Dr. Fred Hanna, who's one of the you know uh, he's one of he's a world class psychologist and professor. And if it wasn't for pipe smoking, we would have never met or had anything in common or had run into any place anybody in anywhere because he's like smarter than both of us put together combined. Yet. Uh, you know, yet because of the pipe, he's, you know, we're all connected and we love hanging out with each other when we get a chance. Um, and and then at the same time, we also, you know, you also run into the situation and it's happened where you get feelings hurt because people butt into each other and they don't know how to deal with each other. Uh, you know, you you literally get heated 
heated arguments amongst people that cannot get to agree on something because they're from two completely different worlds. That's true, and, and, and there are also those people that kind of try and take control of uh, situations with pipes or, you know, that was, I think, one of the problems with those Internet, the uh, IRCs and ASPs and chat rooms is sometimes you had folks go in there and sort of want to control it for whatever reason because this is a small enough hobby that, you know, there's, there's not that big a kingdom to control. But, um, yeah, you know, but again, then you're just dealing with personalities and it's human nature, but it's still, it's still fantastic. And, you know, I, I think one of the cool things, too, is, like, I went to a pipe show in Nashville, um a couple of years ago, it was the first year they did a music uh, uh, Music City show. Or whatever. I was I was yeah, there with you, you. You were there with me. That's right. Yeah. I guess what what really struck me was how many how many folks were there, like guys and their spouses too. Um, how many people were there and used that as an opportunity to meet real time? They knew each other from Facebook or you know YouTube interactions, whatever it may have been, and they sort of said, okay. You're 200 miles away. I'm 100 miles away. Let's meet in Nashville and kind of meet up for the first time. I thought that was really cool. And there is nothing like the human interaction. You just can't replace it with the phone, emails, Facebook posts. It's, you know, it's it's just not the same as, you know, sitting around a pipe show or sitting around a, a pipe store and seeing somebody in person. But sometimes it can't be helped when you have a national, you know, group of friends spread out from coast to coast, can't always sit down and have a smoke with somebody. I thought it was a little weird at first, but then it then it made me it made me really happy because it reminded me of my uh younger days and uh the the YouTube people didn't know each other's actual birth names. They knew each other by their YouTube names and that's how they knew each other. I mean they created their own personas and yeah, they were all gathering. Sometimes it was some of them. That was the first time they'd ever met in person. Uh, it was also the first time I realized that I was getting to be one of the older people. So, so, <laughs> it, it snuck up on us, Brian. So <laughs> it hit. I, I it hit the, me. I was the newbie at one time. <laughs> yeah, well, it hit me right on that thin spot of hair on the back of my head. Oh, about three years ago, I was like, "Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Now there's young guys coming here, and and you young guys out there that are coming to the pipe shows, keep coming to the pipe shows, and yes, please bring your girlfriends and wives because they're a whole lot prettier to look at than Tad is, and uh, you know. Anyway, it's it's been a. I'll grant you that. Oh, and it's been really refreshing to see all these young couples now that are enjoying pipes together and you know coming and hanging out. It's it's like that to me. That that to me. Yeah, and it's more exciting than anything else that I've seen in the last four or five years is the young couples that are enjoying it. So, I, you know, I think I, I, we're kind of going on a few different tangents here, but you know, I think a few years ago, I'd say, you know, early two thousands, late nineties, um, you know, well, maybe you know, two thousand one, two. I mean, I think there was kind of some serious concern, at least among the veteran collectors, the, the guys who are really committed to this as a hobby, you know, not necessarily the guy who smokes a pipe and when he breaks a stem, he wraps a, a tape clip around it and twists it tight. You know, not that that's bad, I'm just saying, but I, I think the 
people who were really committed to the hobby, to pipes, to tobaccos, to the lore and legend, you know, I think there was a real concern, you know, are we the last generation? Um, you know, we're, uh, it tends to be, it has tended to be kind of an older hobby, so I know you and I both have lots of dear friends who who passed away, and not because they passed away prematurely, they just happened to be like 20 or 30 years older than we were, and they were still friends, but I think there was a real concern that, uh, you know, is this really a dying, uh, you know, kind of a dying pastime? And um, I think the resurgence uh, and the interest, um, you know, with, with people in their 20s and early 30s, it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly exciting to me because that's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's nice to see. And just because I have gotten so much out of uh you know, pipes and tobaccos, and the friends that I've made, uh, you know, by being in the hobby and just connecting with other pipe smokers, um, I'm glad to see that it looks like there's, you know, a, a, a younger group that's really into it. And it, and it, it's exciting for me, and I think the, uh, the future of pipe smoking in the world, because now we are a, uh, we're a global community, um, I think if, if us in the United States want to see what's going to happen to our market, we need to look to see what's happened in Europe because we're probably five to ten years behind them. But at the same time, it's still exciting to me, and I make my living selling pipe tobacco and selling pipes. Uh, the pipes have, uh, Pipe smoking as a, as a whole has kind of turned... Into the uh, into the craft beer Starbucks model, where it's quality versus quantity, um, and I think I've I think I've talked about this a couple of times before, and it's still true that you know the the, the people that, the young people that are getting into the hobby now and smoking, they know way more at two years into the hobby than I knew at ten years in. Um, they're way better informed, they're way better connected, and at the same time, they're only, you know, if they're only going to smoke three or four bowls a week, they're smoking three or four bowls a week in pipes that they really understand and really know about, and they're smoking tobaccos that they really understand and they and they really know what they're doing with it. And that is even more exciting because... The quality side of it, and this is Alfred Dunhill's motto: "It must be, you know, it must be useful, durable, and the best possible, uh, or something to that effect." Uh, but the quality, the people that are coming into it and getting involved in the quality of it, are going to stay in it longer than the people that just go to the drugstore. Find a pipe, buy a favorite cherry blend, try it once, and then. Uh, and then apply aloe vera to their tongue and their cheeks for about three weeks to get the burning <laughs> sensation down, and never pick it up again. Uh, I mean, so that yeah, of course you might like that, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no. yeah. If, if you're into if you're into you know inflicting a little pain on yourself, but uh, be that as it may, you know, and, and I think it's interesting too, Brian, that. Uh, you know, and, and we're of a similar age, but, you know, I, I, I know I learned most most everything I know about pipes and tobaccos and stuff. I learned at, at pipe shops. Uh, I learned from, you know, 
collectors and people at pipe shows. I mean, a lot of it was interpersonal, and then I also read as much as I could, but there isn't that much written literature out there. I think today it's it's really interesting to, again, go on a site like a Facebook, and, you know, literally every day on these sites you'll see somebody coming on and saying, I just started smoking a pipe. Do you have any advice? I mean, that's, that can get a little bit old to me after a while, <laughs> but it, it is almost kind of like a guy who might walk into a pipe shop or go to a, a, a pipe club meeting in a shop and say, hey, I just started a pipe. Uh, can You know, give me some advice. What kind of pipe should I smoke? Or what do you suggest for some good tobacco to start out with? How do you tamp a pipe? And you can find a lot of that on, on the Internet, whether it's YouTube or, or sites or, you know, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine site or pipesmagazine.com site. Um, smoking pipes, uh, yeah, pipes and cigars. You know, there are lots of great informational sources there. And then there is also that kind of personal interaction where you just get on a Facebook page and, and throw something on and say, hey, what about using such and such? Or what do you think about that tobacco? So, so again, you know, I'm not as crazy about the electronic interaction as, you know, in person, but I think it's a hell of a lot better than no interaction at all. So it's great that the, the resource is there in any form it can take. I had one person complain to me uh, recently. I think I was, I've been traveling so much, I'm not sure what city I'm in anymore. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, it was one of the pipe shows, and I think he complained that every time he goes on the forum, it's basic people asking the same questions again, uh, over and over again, about how do I tamp a pipe, how do I light a pipe, blah, 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 blah. And I said to the, I said to him, I said, well, then you should never, ever, ever, ever work in a smoke shop or work at a Disney park because you get the same questions over and over and over again. And it's not that they're, you know, it's not that they don't know how to do the research for the, for the answer. They want that personal interaction. They want somebody to tell them or show them. They want to find it, you know, they want to they want to ask the question and then get it answered. They don't want to just research it and see other people's answers to it. But anyway, that Brian, was... I, I, Brian, I, I, think, you know, I think you're totally right because, I mean, anybody who's 22 years old and on Facebook most certainly knows how to use Google or a search engine and go on the Internet and find it. I think it absolutely is that reaching out and just say, hey, brothers, you know, uh, I, I just got into this thing and, uh, you know, I want to connect. That's kind of where it's at. Yeah, and then the guys on uh, the guys on all these social media places that are showing pictures of their pipes over and, you know, I just got this one, look at this. It's not that they're bragging, it's just that they want to share what they've got and, and they, you know, the, it's what you used to do when you walked into the barber shop. You know, hey, how's it going? Good, look what I got. Here's my new car. And, you know, it's, or when you went to the bar after work, you know, if you got a new watch or something, you showed it to all the guys sitting around. So, it's, hey, yeah, hey, you remember at, at pipe club meetings and everything, it was like, hey, it's show and tell. You know, I mean, it wasn't anything formal, but I can't think of a club meeting where somebody didn't have a new acquisition or find a new tobacco or something like that or a vintage tin of tobacco who didn't, you know, bring it, sort of trot it out and talk about it and, and show, it, show it. So wasn't bragging. It was just like, hey, look, isn't this cool? This is what I just got. So I just Google searched how to smoke a tobacco pipe, and in, uh, in .57 seconds, Google came up with 
about 47,600,000 results to look at. One of those might be the right technique for you, I guarantee you. <laughs> there you go. All right, so you've been on before, but the last time you were on was before I switched up one of the questions. So we'll wrap this up with uh, one of the Fast Five final questions, and it is for you. Do you have a, a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory? You know, I, I have I have so many, but I, I have to say it was probably... Um, it was probably with Barry Levin who we talked about, and um, he and I uh, were at a uh, at a, a trade show actually, and uh, had been spent all actually two straight days walking around on the concrete. Brian, you know exactly what that's about because you've done your fair share of trade shows, yeah. and you know I mean swapping pipes and selling things and setting up a display booth, and um, just dog tired and. I just will always remember going up to Gary's room, and, you know, he had two big queen-size beds there. Beds there. His wife was there. His kids were there, a couple of the other pipe guys. And I just remember the sheer bliss of stretching out on that bed, and we were smoking pipes all prone. You know, he was in one bed, I was in the other, and it just felt so good to get off our feet and sort of commune with everybody and just sort of have that family experience being there with a friend, having had a successful show. That's just a great memory that will always stick with me. All right, and I'll give you one shot, too, and if I can find something fast enough for you, although you kind of gave me this answer earlier, uh, what kind of music would you like to hear for tonight's music? You know, i I, I got to tell you, I would love to hear some, some bluegrass music and uh, maybe even by my... Uh, pipe-making uh, buddy uh, Scott Dealey or his uh, very talented Oscar-winning or Grammy-winning son, uh, Chris Dealey from uh, Nickel Creek. How about if we do some Chris Dealey because uh, he plays a lot better than Scott does. <laughs> I don't even think Scott would argue with that. I don't think no. he's ever won a Grammy, but he's pretty darn good. No, but I think I might get a jab in the in the shoulder when I see him at the Chicago show now. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think you might. Ted, this was fun. Well, uh, if if everybody likes this, we'll do it again somewhere way down the road. If you didn't like it, lie to me and tell me about it. But uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, I'll probably see you this weekend at McCraney's. <laughs> see you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. And we'll be back with some uh, music by Chris Thiele in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is molto dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. 
Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sightlife Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I am uh, back and by myself. And hey, don't forget, if you want to see some of Tad's writings, check out the uh, tobacco uh, reviews section of Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. And if you want to taste a tobacco he's blended, Three Oaks. Three Oaks by McClelland is all uh, Tad's blends there. All right, so as he promised, uh, music tonight, Punch Brothers. Here is uh, My Oh My. Keep the whole 
The new album is called The Phosphorescent Blues. That is uh, Chris Thiele on mandolin. And uh, don't forget, JDRF auction information coming up. In the meantime, right now, we're going to do a quick... And John Seiler writes, uh, Hi, Brian, you keep eating the sweets and the waste will be expanding. No, it's not a waste. It's a low chest. Remember that, John. It's a low chest. Uh, He says, I tend to disagree that the pot and poker are optimal pipes, especially for new pipe smokers. I have to go with either a straight or bent billiard. I would refer you to George Hermant's book, The Pipe, who suggests that the bulldog is the ultimate pipe for smoking and presents his rationale. I'm finding out that I like a bent egg-shaped bowl in a pipe. And then he says, well, you found another pipe maker with which I'm not familiar. Jeremiah Sandal is new to me. The pipes on his website look interesting. I'll look them up this year at Chicago. Uh, Music Jeremiah's rendition of The Entertainer was excellent. Rant, you have met the future and it is not good. I am glad you got your smoking room in. They did try to solve the situation. Good show waiting for Chicago. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, excuse me, another great show. Not sure about the pot and poker, but have to agree in principle that the more wood you have, the better off you are. Loved the interview with Sandal. What an interesting background he has. I have to admire his music skill though as a rule i loathe piano music i think bruce weaver's remark about ugly and overpriced should be passed on to all beginning carvers until they have at least made 50 pipes jeremiah seems like he has a wonderful family but i would remind him that rich people have money poor people have babies Uh, i also remind him of uh, rick newcomb's comments that uh, i make money to buy pipes i don't buy pipes to make money Anyway, Jeremiah's playing was uh, spot on. I appreciated the explanation of your job with McBaron. I know you'll do a bang-up job there. Disappointed nobody is uh, talking about the first shoe that fell. As for the rant and your recent encounter with the desk clerk from hell, all I can tell is there is nothing more aggravating than dealing with a minimum wage employee given a little power. (laughs) CTSA agents. No, I didn't say that. Uh, Anyway, he says, glad you stood your ground. Uh, Z.R. Hudgens writes, Hey, Jeremiah, I heard the show and it was great. You said you were a home brewer. What is your favorite recipe? I've been brewing for about a year and I'm looking for a good mainstay brew to keep. And uh, quickly, Lord of the Pipe Ring says, Haven't gotten into the Prince shape yet, but I do have a poker that I love. It's refreshing to hear a carver say, I wanted someone to tell me what was wrong with my pipes and how to make them better. It's all right to be a nice person and compliment someone on their work, but sometimes people just want the God's honest truth of what's wrong with their work so they can improve it. Way to tickle the ivory, Jeremiah. Just as talented as on the piano as you are with the briar. And uh, P. Russ from Canada writes, Brian, thanks for another great show. I've just caught myself up again on the last four weeks of radio show broadcasts. Thanks for continuing to do this for the pipe community. Uh, Two of my favorite memories from last year's Chicago show were spent with you and your guests on the last two shows. Learning about blending from pear and talking pipes with the two of you was a wonderful way to break in the smoking tent. Pear is quite the gentleman, and you're no slouch contrary to popular belief. Thanks. Uh, I just heard that Pear will be visiting our brick and mortar in May and look forward to seeing him again. My other favorite smoking tent memory from last year's show was spending Saturday night smoking with Jeremiah, Walt Canoy, uh, B.R. Davidson, and uh, Damn Yak. Uh, 
We just laughed for about three hours straight. Jeremiah was the first pipe maker I commissioned a pipe from. I was new to pipe buying, and he was new to pipe making. And while he has certainly refined his craft since making my pipe, I still smoke it with uh, relish and enjoy it very much. Here's a link on the pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you can see from the discussion, there was some frank feedback offered by some forum regulars. It was sure a treat to be able to smoke the pipe he made me at the same table with him. Uh, P.S. Uh, yeah, this is a P.S. for everybody going to the Chicago show. If you run into Walt Canoy, mention Russian nesting doll tampers. All right, in just a minute, all the info on the JDRF auctions. So stay with us. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Tonight, instead of ending this anomaly of a show with a rant, yeah, we're changing it up again, and this is the kickoff, week number one of the JDRF auctions. As you all know from previous years, my daughter is a type 1 diabetic. Yes, she tests her blood sugar with a finger prick anywhere between uh, 5 to 7 times a day or as needed. She gives herself anywhere between uh, 4 to 7 shots of insulin a day. And, uh, you know, the lifetime uh, issues that can come with being diabetic, even though you try to do the best you can, well, we're trying to find a cure for type 1 diabetes and for all the kids like my daughter, young or old, uh, we're trying to find a cure for them. In the past two years combined, through the kindness of you listeners and the people that have donated product to us, we have raised over $3,000 that has gone directly to my daughter's JDRF walk team for the walk, which is uh, taking place this month while she and I are at Disney World. But we're kicking it off this week, and right now on pipestud.com, P-I-P-E-S-T-U-D.com, Steve Fallon's Pipe Stud web store, because we got some great tobaccos donated that he was worried uh, eBay might pull the plug on. Well, they went live today, Tuesday the 31st. There is a tin of Murray's made, Murray's era, Dunhill 3-year matured, 
uh, Virginia donated by Rob Cooper and a tin of 1994 McClellan Christmas cheer again donated by uh, through the kindness of Rob Cooper. That is a 21-year-old Virginia in the McClellan Christmas cheer. Those are available for sale right now at pipestud.com. Kevin's going to put links to all this stuff right on the show page. Coming up on Saturday on the Pipe Stud eBay store, just go to eBay and search for Pipe Stud, and you will see uh, Michael Renoni. Uh, Renone, I hope I didn't butcher your last name, I apologize, who is... Uh, Myrene on the forums donated a Master Depaya Pizarro One Sun unsmoked horn shape. It's a gorgeous pipe. It's a good, comfortable feel. Take a look at that. It's absolutely unsmoked and ready to go. And he also donated one of his handmade tampers with a uh, dark brown wood base. Beautifully done, nice and comfortable. Those are wonderful gifts, all donated by Michael. And the uh, third and final item that we'll be auctioning off this week is, uh, hey, one of my Walt Disney World pipes from my collection. Uh, The pipe dates from uh, 1971 to 1984. The uh, winner of the pipe, if you email me your name, uh, it's on my Facebook Tobacchiana Collection page, and uh, I'll change the ownership name to yours, so... Those are all auctioning off right uh, starting on Saturday morning at uh, 12.30 Central Time on uh, the Pipe Studs eBay store, so please check that out, and I'll remind you again next week. Uh, coming up the week after that, uh, got some more tobacco, got another pipe, got another tamper. If you have anything you'd like to donate, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Again, I want to keep this thing going and uh, see if we can find a cure for diabetes, so... With all that, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I know it's a little different. I want to thank Tad for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and uh, thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to Tune in tomorrow night for another episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show where you'll hear our hosts say, April Fools.